you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hill Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. Your I have basically been a chicken with my head cut off running around. I don't even know if people make that reference anymore, if that's just an old person thing now. Um, but it, it is a busy time uh, for, for my traditional job um, as recruiting analyst over at Hale Varsity. It, it is a wild month. Nebraska had a couple of commitments on Father's Day because we could never go a holiday without having um, commitments, which is always funny to me, but I'm just mentally prepared for it. But today I'm joined by a special guest guest steve mark who covers uh prep sports for nebraska preps steve thank you so much for being on the show how are you man hey greg thanks for having me i'm doing great it's a beautiful morning i'm ready to get going yeah it's a, it's a great morning here like i i also typically joke that we we talk about the weather at some point on this podcast it's just what you do <laughs> if you are listening to this in nebraska you know that it's been unbearably hot which i actually like i prefer that level of heat um so i'm totally fine with it and this morning it actually feels a little cold <laughs> because it's yeah. like normal temperature out there but it is a great morning yeah i think we're gonna get lucky and get some 70s today um but yeah it's i'm a to in fact personally i'm a i'm a crisp crisp fall guy Give okay. me like a 50s 50 degree day something like that low 60s i'll i'm good to go okay yeah that's you know hoodie weather is good i've got to get my hoodie like game up i just got to get more hoodies and then that way maybe yeah. i'll feel better about it um at that point all right now each week we have a couple of standing segments that are mainstays of the show you guys that are long-time listeners know that if you're a first-time listener welcome we appreciate you uh the first one is called coach speak where we go over something that a coach player or a talking head said and then we give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant coach speak to real talk um, uh, this week comes courtesy of uh, Philadelphia 76ers coach Doc Rivers, who after his team was eliminated last night in game seven, he was asked about Ben Simmons and if he could be the point guard of a championship team that they have aspirations to be. And Doc was short and sweet. He said, quote, I don't have the answer to that right now. I don't know the answer to that question. So, Steve, what did he mean by that? I think Doc was uh, telling us, you know, I'm ticked off at Ben Simmons. He can't play in the fourth quarter. What am I doing on offense when this guy is on the court? I don't know. Like, look, I understand what, what uh, Simmons brings defensively. You know, he's 6'10", 6'11", can switch one through five, all that good stuff. I understand what he can do defensively. But just watching him shoot free throws and just, like, operate on the offensive end of the court, I mean, as a, as a basketball fan, it's just unbearable sometimes. I mean, yeah. sometimes I, I just want him to – you know, just assert himself, go to the hoop, be big like you are, and just like, just assert himself, you know? And that's kind of, it's interesting you say that way too, because I think that too, while watching him, and it's it's one of those things where it, because he's always, and I'm, I'm assuming this, he's always been a tall guy who could handle the ball. 
Yeah. Like that, that it becomes, it's a great thing. And that's what makes him good. But at the same time, it's a detriment to his game because, and he, and Simmons is really like this in that he doesn't just take charge, right. In a way that you would want your, like one of your max players to go out there and do also his game is not well-rounded enough to where if he's just not driving to the basket, he can't really do anything else offensively. Like he obviously can't shoot. Like shooting is is not a thing. Um, And that's just something that is not a part of his game. And he also doesn't, for a a guy that's that tall, he has no post moves, which also becomes the thing that is the downside to being the tall guy that can handle the ball is that you get so used to operating on the perimeter that you Mm -hmm. don't ever – develop a post game right and so one of the and, and people would say hey you know he's a, he's not like the biggest guy in the world like physical like physical stature he's tall but he's not really muscular well kevin durant isn't either but kevin durant yeah. figured out somewhere along the way that hey i'm taller than everybody and i should develop at least a fadeaway to where i can put guys in the post and they can't defend this jump shot um because i'm taller and i'm a great shooter like it and i think that that's a part of and I don't want to go all full like today's basketball on you, um, <laughs> but that is, I think, a little bit of a symptom of this era of basketball where you have guys that come up wanting to handle the ball so, no matter what size they are, but they don't necessarily develop those other parts of their game. And I think that that's something that starts kind of at a youth level um, and then continues up. But Simmons is really kind of the poster child um, for that. Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. And it's just like this modern era of like ISO ball and like getting the ball in your hands and going, you know, sending all four other guys to the other side of the court and just kind of going to work on your, on your guy. Cause cause everybody's playing man to man in the NBA most of the time. And uh, yeah, it's just watching Simmons go through what he did yesterday. It was just kind of hard to watch and everything. And it made, made me upset. It's just like, go do something on offense. But uh yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's going to be something the drama is here right now. And it's just going to be interesting to see where, what he, what his story and his contract situation, I know he's getting paid a lot of money still. Rich Paul is great at his job. <laughs> yeah. Clutch sports for sure. Man, like I think I had it pulled up. Let me see if I, yeah, I still have it right over here in a different window. Um, ben Simmons, like, because I saw someone say, like, oh, man, you know, when Ben comes to the negotiating table for his new contract, they just need to put up some of these stats. Like, he missed 48 free throws in the in, in the playoffs. And I had to respond to this friend of mine. I was like, no, nah, man, he already got paid. Like, that extension just ki- is about to kick in. Like, yeah. this season, Ben Simmons made $30.5 million. In 2021, Ooh. he'll make 33 then 35.9, 37.9, and then 40.3 in the 24-25 season. Like, shout out to Rich Paul. You got your guy paid. But um, as the people like to say, Ben Simmons might be a ski mask all-star. Like, he's definitely <laughs> robbing the Sixers based on what – like, just the limitations. Like, yes, and, and I know Zach Lowe always loves to point this out, that we, we focus on the things that Ben Simmons can't do versus the things that he can do. But yeah. you saw in this particular playoffs exactly why people focus on those things so much because there are just severe limitations to what you can do. And you mentioned it off top, like when they're out there on offense and in-game situations, like they just can't do anything with him. And you can't yeah. have a max player in that situation. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe, maybe they can like, just like put him in the dunker position, you know, like along the baseline right there and like let Embiid, but you need Embiid to be on the other side for that. And just like, I don't know, but you mentioning all that money that he's making off that contract extension. I remember the, uh, I think it was an ESPN, uh, stats, stats and info account tweeted out his 34.2 free throw percentage for this postseason. It's the worst in postseason history. Thirty-four point two percent. He was at the free throw line. Shaq, Shaq played a lot of free throw games, and Shaq shot better than that. That's really, really that's that's not good. No, it's not good. <laughs> to it's be, not good. It's not good for anybody, but for your point guard to do that is also ends up being a problem. Oh, that's man. what ends up being the trickle down effect from the way that he plays. Is that it really puts you in some really precarious situations when it comes to your team building, but then also just your spacing and how you have to play on the floor. Like, it's, it's just really weird, and I'm with you. Like, they're going to be a team to watch over the offseason, and we're going to come back to them a little bit later, but they are definitely going to be a team um, to watch in the offseason. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that, Steve, I wanted to have you on to talk to you about today is, and I mentioned, you know, kind of in the intro, is that I've been extremely busy with kind of Nebraska recruiting and camp season and all the private workouts that they're doing, um, official visitors coming in, guys committing, you name it, everything is happening right now. But also at the same time, I feel like right now, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that I think it's like a renaissance or an explosion of local talent here in Nebraska um, it really it's across all sports. We're going to focus on football um, for this yeah. one today. Like, I guess, first of all, we'll start here. Like, kind of, do you agree with that? And what have you seen um, over the last couple of years and kind of the what I feel has been the raising of the bar of the talent in the state? Let's break that down. Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is just look at some of the teams in Omaha and Lincoln, and they're starting to produce, you know, major college football talent, right? I mean, just look at yesterday with Jake Applegate Southeast um, and then just look at Southeast as a team. They have two other um, kids with Husker Husker offers. And one of them has an sec offer from Ole Miss with uh, Tatum Tuioti. Um, so yeah, everywhere you look, it seems like kids are just getting better and better in this state. And uh, it, it, they're showing with it, with the, with the, the offers that they're, they're getting. So it's, it's really an exciting time right now. And especially this month, of June when they're kind of, they're able to go out and, and meet some of the coaches and, and um, coaching staffs. It's, it's really a fun time. Yeah. It's been a great time because one of the things that I know all of us that kind of cover this stuff was looking forward to in this month was just that was a lot of these kids being able to get out there, get on the road, go to these camps and really just show people what they had. Right. And I think that you always kind of get excited for Nebraska kids to do that um, because it's, it's changing. And obviously the state is being recruited more and more. And I always t talk about kind of the trickle down effect of what we've seen for, because of past years. Right. And I explain it this way. So when Cam Jurgens was recruited a handful of years ago, People had to go to Beatrice, Nebraska to go and see him, which is not like a, like a typical stop on your recruiting tours if you're, you know, the LSU coaches, right, that were recruiting yeah. him. They're not going to normally come to Beatrice. But what happens with that is, is you go see Cam, but you notice another kid, right? And you may say, okay, well, maybe we'll keep in contact with him. And then I think it really picked up after that when you had that year that had Garrett Snodgrass and Ethan Piper – um, and Garrett Nelson and then Hickman and Henrich over at Burke, because what now what you kind of noticed is, is I think each of those schools that those guys went to for high school have had guys recruited after them. 
Like, especially yeah. in the case of Burke, but then York with Snodgrass, there's always a kid or two coming out of there, whether that's a scholarship guy or a walk-on guy. Um, mm-hmm. Scott's Bluff has continued to produce guys. And so what happens is, is it just becomes a, oh, for college coaches, I can go, I go and see this other kid, but I'm also going to notice when I'm going to watch Nick Henrich and Chris Hickman, because I'm scouting them, if I'm Notre Dame, I'm also going to see Xavier Watts and then, oh, okay, maybe I need to be on this kid early, which they were. And then obviously um, he ended up going to Notre Dame. So I think that trickle down effect just helped so many different kids in the state and just really got the ball rolling. I think this whole thing started a handful of years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting you mentioned uh, York. They got Noah Stafirsky, who's in reserve offensive lineman on there uh, on the team right now. So he's he was a really good kid for them. And, and yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Just the fact that coaches can go, can go to these schools and the talent is getting to the level that it's at. Um, absolutely. There's going to be some, you know, names written down in notebooks, like, Oh, let's check in on this guy. Let's, let's see how he develops later on in a few years. So you're absolutely right about, about that. Yeah. And you know, what's funny what we were talking to what another example of this that came to me is Lincoln Southeast, right? Yeah. As you start to go through there and, and I'm actually surprised that, I actually think that it was slower to take off than it probably should have been um, going back to Luke Gifford. And then you come back and now we, you kind of fast forward and you have some guys in between Luke and then Isaac, obviously. Um, but then also you see Isaac, but then you see Jake Applegate coming behind that. Right. And then you see yeah. Gunner um, and then you see Tatum who had already kind of been on the scene and they've got a couple of other guys too. But I think that as you also talk that through, the one thing that has really started to stick out to me is the amount of teams now in Nebraska high school football that don't just have one guy that's a scholarship like type of guy, um, especially for power five, but there are teams with multiple of those guys. Now it's just a fascinating time. Yes, absolutely. And um, that goes along with some of my other travelings throughout the state, like this, this um, June, you know, I've, you know, some of these kids that I cover, cause I cover kind of the, the Nebraska in-state kids only not like, I know you, you cover the national nationally recruited kids that Nebraska is going after and stuff. Um, but for me on the local level here, um, you know, I was at the Grand Island Northwest Jamboree earlier this month, a lot of good kids. That's, that's where uh, Vic Iseal from, from Northwest was, was playing. And he, and he got some kind of good pub um, after attending some of the Friday night lights camps um, as an edge rusher. So he's one to keep an eye on um, met him. Great, great kid and everything. Um, but that also at that same Jamboree, there was Kite and Fife from uh, Grand Island um, Senior High quarterback. Going to be really good getting, you know, he took a few unofficial visits to Nebraska and Wyoming. They're looking at him at, at a, as a possible DB um, recruit for sure. And uh, Sam Hartman, another athletic dual threat quarterback at, at the class B level. He'll be, uh, he'll be pretty good. Um and yeah, it's just like, like you said, a lot of good talent in this state and it's um, starting to get noticed, which is really fun. Yeah. And, and one of the things too, that I, when talking about the, the local recruiting scene too, that I like to point out is that it's not just like, Hey, who's going to come to Nebraska? Cause some of the guys that like you just mentioned, you know, like, Hey, you know, Kite and Fife um, took an unofficial to Wyoming. And we've seen some of those other areas, because you know, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, like yeah. really hone in on recruiting Nebraska and build a chunk of their roster based off of that, because there are just so many guys that are kind of right there on that borderline for whether or not they're power five or not. Um, and then it kind of depends too on Nebraska and really this year with their numbers crunch and how many guys yeah. that they can take. And because I think that scholarship 
numbers are going to be limited. I think the walk-on program is going to be a little limited as well um, because of that too, with just the amount of numbers that you can take. And so there are kids all over the place that the ultimate goal is like everybody wants to get to Nebraska, right? Or not everybody, but most kids that grow up in the state want to end up playing here. But the ultimate goal really is to have your college paid for and to be able to go somewhere um, and do that and continue to play college football. Right. And there are just so many kids around the state that will have that opportunity. Um, And and so it's just fascinating to see that kind of unfold um, in real time and in a very fast fashion um, throughout this month of June, as kids have been all over the place at all of these camps. Yeah, for sure. And um, I, you, you mentioning that just brings up Vince Genitone from North Platte, just all of a sudden popping out because his family moved from, from Wyoming. Um, that kid, yeah, he's, he's a beast. And it's just like, this is the year where, you know, he, he was at North Platte last year, but he's just like exploding right now. It seems like just like taking visits and a lot of just picked up a South Dakota state offer and everything and a great kid and everything. But man, it's just like, yeah, it's just, Oh, out there in North Platte, we got like a, a stud, a stud linebacker that can run sideline to sideline and like, and make plays and hit people. It's, it's just so fun. Yeah. So so have you seen, have you seen him play? I'm putting you on the spot, but have you seen him either play or camp before? He was at the Jambri camp and that's where I watched him. That's where the only place I've watched him. I have not seen him in a game yet. Okay. So my, my question then is, do you, cause I know Nebraska has talked to, I talked to him after he did his one-on-one workout for Nebraska and they are kind of, Oh, they're not all, all over the place, but there are a number of positions that he could slot in from your impression of him. What position do you think that he best uh, fits at the college level? Start him out at safety. Once he gets bigger, um, give him a few years, like in his strength and conditioning, you know, di- given the diet that every, all the athletes have, I think he's going to get bigger, obviously. And then I could see him sliding right down into like a Jojo Domon type okay. type outside linebacker slash safety hybrid, whatever you want to call it, whatever they're calling it these days. But I could totally see him being a guy like that. Got you. Yeah. And I, and that's what I kind of thought too, just from what I've heard about it. I haven't seen him play in person. So I'm glad to, to hear that. Um, and it'll be, I think his recruitment will be one of the ones that I, I'm trying to think it, it, what are the next guys that's right there on the cusp? I think in state of whether or not, when you're thinking about, Hey, who could be a next guy that gets a Nebraska offer, um, I do think that he's that, that next guy in line. We'll see yeah. how it goes. And part of the thing, this is where I think he's probably the most affected and impacted by the class ended up going to be very small for Nebraska this cycle. Because if this is a full class, like I honestly think they would have already offered him and, and we, yeah. he would probably be a, like a future Oscar at this point would be on the commit list. Um, so that's going to be fascinating to see because I'm not sure, like when I say to people, hey, this class is going to be smaller for Nebraska. Like sometimes it feels like we say that every year and then it expands. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year is really true. Unless it, I guess technically it could expand the reason, if you don't know those of you out there that the class is going to be smaller for everyone across the board is the NCAA has not given schools full guidance on what's going to happen with scholarship numbers in 2022. So if you guys remember, in 2021, it was a great feel-good story, and it was the right thing to do, that if you were a senior and you wanted, because of COVID, if you wanted to then come back the next year, so this coming year, like Nebraska has those super seniors coming back, um, Mm -hmm. then you could do it, but you would not count against the 85-man scholarships. 
but they extended that to everyone on the team. So technically this year, Adrian Martinez can then do that again. He can do it this coming year if he wants to. And even though he's a, in school, a senior, he could come back again next year for a fifth year. But the problem is, is that right now it looks like the NCAA will count those scholarships towards the 85. That's going to throw off everyone's numbers. Therefore, you end up in a situation where I've had multiple recruits tell me, yeah, Coach Frost is telling me that, you know, 15 to 18 recruits is probably what he's going to take. And, you know, it'll probably be closer to 15, maybe even 14. That's going to be just a fascinating storyline. And it has all sorts of trickle down effects because like you were mentioning, like, hey, or like we were saying, like, okay, let's say Vince Genitone, for example, let's take him for a specific example. If he doesn't end up at Nebraska because of the numbers crunch, then he ends up going to, was it, where was it that he got the offer from? So he's, he's got a, a few of them right now. He's got Southern Miss was, was a group of five, but then he just got offered by South Dakota state too. So yeah, any so. other ones like uh, Northern Arizona. Yeah, so he'll probably pick up some more, but let's say for the sake of argument, like Southern Miss. Like Southern Miss is going to get a player that's really a borderline power five player um, because of that number crunch. So what my point is, is that that trickle-down effect will happen all over the place. It just won't be in the state of Nebraska, right? And so those are the big picture things that end up happening because of these decisions. And like I said, it was the right decision to do what the NCAA did. But in true NCAA fashion, they didn't fully follow that up necessarily with what you needed to be able to do to correct those numbers. Because I think something probably needs to happen to figure that out for schools moving forward. Yeah, that was a lot of good info, Greg. Um, And while you were saying all that, I just kept thinking about Gage Stenger of Millard South. He's another one who's kind of making the rounds this camp and really really impressing. I talked to him. Uh, for a story recently. And I, um, I know that he went to Lindenwood, that mega camp in yep. Lindenwood in St. Charles, Missouri, worked out, caught the eye of Kansas State's um, linebackers coach, um, was like, hey, do you want to come to Manhattan and work out in front of the coaching staff? And Gage is like, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so he goes over there, works out, impresses, gets an offer a few days, uh, like a week later. Um, and he's, he's a, he's a kid who's just like kind of fits that genitone mold where I think he's probably um, looking, looking right now as like a Sam linebacker. They told him, they told Gage that he'd be um, kind of projected to playing like in the future. Um, just that linebacker safety athletic kid that could run sideline to sideline, cover a tight end, um, stick his nose in the tackle box, um, that kind of player. And exactly uh, like you mentioned when he had a private visit with uh, Nebraska didn't get offered, but I think, again, it was maybe a numbers thing where, you know, like how many, how many are we willing to hand out for like a safety linebacker and do we have any um, left to hand out? So um, yeah, Gage Stenger of Millard South is going to be one of the, one of the better players in the state. And, and uh, yeah, it's just going to be really interesting for the future. Yeah. And it's, it's funny too, that you mentioned the kind of that safety tight or safety linebacker hybrid it feels like there are two positions and I almost misspoke because of the two positions I'm thinking of there are two positions that it feels like are all over the place and all over the state in Nebraska right now that safety linebacker hybrid role it feels like there are guys all over the state and there are tight ends everywhere like it just feels like those two positions um are just in abundance in Nebraska right now and it's really interesting on like how we got there and why that is um 
I've actually done a story on the tight end explosion and kind of how that worked on HillVarsity.com um, because it, it has really just been interesting. And it was really kind of perfect timing for Nebraska as they wanted to focus more on the tight end um, position. But it's not also it's not just in the state. It's also in the region. Um, yeah. Like it just feels like this region. You go down to Kansas. Obviously, Nebraska has a tight end like that committed from um, Colorado or Minnesota sorry and so the, these guys are just all over the place kind of in this 500 mile radius um, but that will also make for some really exciting high school football <laughs> this fall too because you've got these kind of just like athletic guys that are kind of in between uh, but can do multiple things out there it'll be it'll make some for some really fun Friday nights absolutely and and the way you know college football is played right now with like a lot of the pass heavy spreads um, you want those guys on defense that are that are, can do a little bit of both. They're, they're big enough, they're strong enough that they can, uh, like I said, hang in the tackle box. But then on third down, stick them on a tight end, stick them on a slot, and they can they can do that too. Um, I think Nebraska's got some kids like that. It's, it's just really exciting. Yeah, it's a definitely an exciting time for that. Um, and now every week we end the show with a segment called Put Them on Blast, where we basically put someone on blast for something that they did or said. Put them on blast. Um, this time I'm going to let Steve do the honors of going first. So, Steve, who are you putting on blast this week? Now, shocker, I'm going to be repeating myself the way that we open this <laughs> podcast, but it's got to be Ben Simmons. Ben, just, I don't know, find a gym. <laughs> Lock yourself in it, work on your free throw form and everything's going to go off from there. Just like work on your shot. I've read like articles after articles after articles about like, oh, maybe should he like switch to his right hand? Uh-huh. Should he stay with his left hand? It's just like, I don't know, pick one and work on it. Like just, just work on it. That's why I'm putting on blast Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers. Figure it out. Yeah. I think that sometimes too, you get and, and it's funny he gets really defensive about this. If you think about it, I'm sure you've seen the quotes. Like he's talked about this before about, oh, you know, people say I can't shoot, but I'm still an all-star and all of this. And I think that that sometimes is dangerous. While that's absolutely true, like he is still an all-star and obviously he's had a very successful career financially um, and he's very well known, all of that, right? Yeah. But there is a danger sometimes in thinking I'm so great at X and it's gotten me to a certain point. So I don't need to do Y. Like, and when you think about that, just in your job in general, right? Whoever's listening to this, whatever jobs you guys are doing, like if you're really good at one thing about your job, but you never work on any of those other parts, then you can sometimes get complacent or get in trouble because you're not working on those other things and you're not making yourself better overall. Like, I think that that sometimes is a problem, and you know it's a problem for him because he's so super defensive about not being able to shoot, but it's true you can't shoot. So I am also going to put a seven, someone in the realm of the 76ers in the organization on blast. I'm going to go with uh, their GM, Daryl Morey, um, who I have always kind of had a little bit of an issue with just because I am not, those of you who are listening to this podcast on a regular basis know that I am not the biggest analytics guy in the world. Like I totally understand them. That is not the issue. Whatever. Um, I get it. I just think that we go too far in one direction, just leaning on that and not trusting our eyes. So Daryl Morey is kind of the poster child for that. Um, And it's no wonder that he won nothing in Houston. And now he's doing the same thing. It looks like in Philly, But the reason that I'm putting him on blast is not for my mini analytics rant. It's actually because of he could have traded Ben Simmons. The guy that you just put on blast could have been traded um, at the trade deadline or prior to that, James Harden. 
think about how differently you're talking about the 76ers right now. Now, assuming James Harden had stayed healthy, he got injured, had that grade two hammy, um, which is a serious injury. And I don't think people should be giving James Harden like too much crap about not performing that well, even though he had 22, nine and nine um, in that final game. But they could have traded Ben Simmons and maybe something else for James Harden. Possibly. That was the deal that was rumored to be out there. 76ers didn't want to do it because they didn't want to um, kind of break up the nucleus or what they had. Because I think I think the quote was, is we, we went through so much to get these guys here. Like, why would we now trade them? But it just it would have worked so much better. Just the basketball fit of having Joel Embiid and James Harden. That would have been a tremendous fit. And you would have opened up so many different things for your team because say what you will about James Harden and like not everybody likes his style of play. It is effective. Like it definitely helps your team and they win a lot. You'll win a lot of games, whether or not you can win the championship is a whole different um, situation, but that would have been a much better situation for them um, than keeping Ben Simmons because now what happens now? We talked in the, in the beginning of the show about them being a fascinating team this off season. They're probably going to keep him on the trade block, right? He was already there before. This didn't do anything to stop that. But what's his value now? Like now what Now what are people going to be willing to give up for him? It's just going to be really fascinating to see. But Daryl Morey has to go on blast for not finding a way to pull the trigger on that deal to get James Harden there and get Ben Simmons out of there. Because as a basketball fan, I would have much rather seen Joel Embiid and James Harden versus Simmons and, or, uh, J- Simmons and Joel Embiid. Yeah, those are two good on blast. So I, I completely agree with the front office and Maury. I wasn't a big fan of him for what he did in Houston, but you know, it's just, Hey, he made a decision. He, he went with it and I'm going to create a team like this and uh, didn't win, went to Philly and well, he didn't win again. So I don't, and, and like with Simmons, he does have some value still. I think like he'll obviously have suitors like on the trade market, somebody will want him. It's probably going to be like a small market team, I assume. But um, I, I just feel for the guy sometimes it's just like, work on, work on your shot. Like if you work on your shot and you just like increase it, he's going to be so good and valuable. And really too, part of it is also not just working on the shot and getting better at it. It's even attempting to do it. Like there were times last night, and obviously the big play that happened last night where he had the opportunity to either lay up or dunk over Trey Young, um, yeah. who's like a foot shorter than him, and didn't do it, didn't really even look at the basket. There are times where he doesn't even look at the basket. Like, and that ends up, I think that to me, that's worse than if him just being a bad shooter, because then you allow the other team's defense to not even have to consider that you're going to be a threat. Right. And guys are teams are just too good, especially when you get into this stage of the playoffs, like teams are just have too many good players and coaches are too good at this stage in the playoffs to get away with that. Completely agree. Completely agree. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast everywhere that you listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you only leave us four, I am inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, Make sure that you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, the Varsity Club, the Brassica Preps Post Game Show, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. Also, make sure you're checking out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. I'll be back on there with another recruiting question uh, of the week video. Um, You can find us uh, at Twitter at... Greg Smith HV and then Steve, where are you on Twitter? 
Uh, Steve Marek underscore. Let me check that real quick. Uh oh. Yeah, Steve underscore Marek at Steve underscore Marek. Got you. All right, we will catch you guys next time. A Huda Media Production.